how I would describe how I feel about being a CMO versus a VP of marketing. And it's kind of silly because it's just a title, but titles do help us, I think, um, align to the, the fullness of a position. Um, is that my job is really not just marketing, it's growing the business. It's partnering with the CEO, with the other executives to really focus on defining what our what our category in our market is and growing our market and growing our company's revenue. Welcome to The Get. Today we'll explore the anatomy of a CMO search. We'll go on a journey of a search for a new CMO at a B2B SaaS MarTech company in a heavy growth stage. You'll hear about it from the hiring side as well as the perspective of the CMO who got the job. We're going to talk about what it's like to inhabit a CMO role for the first time, We'll talk about how a CMO role is distinct from a VP of marketing role, and we'll talk about what is unique about marketing to marketers. Joining us is Julia Stead, the Chief Marketing Officer of Alacadia. I placed Julia in her new role recently. Julia, welcome to the show. My pleasure. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. We've had many conversations already in in the past to where we've gotten today or where I've gone today and uh, was really excited to kind of pick up um, my conversation with you. So we will talk about recruiting and getting recruited. We'll talk about being in the CMO job and advice for aspiring B2B CMOs. Julia, first, tell us about you. I've been working in marketing for over 15 years now. Uh, just sort of by by chance, I ended up in marketing technology very early on in my career, and it was a great fit for me interest-wise. So as I uh, moved cities and moved companies, I've always had that thread of uh, B2B MarTech specifically uh, in my career progression. I am the very new, fresh, freshly appointed CMO at Allocadia. And prior to that, I was the VP of Marketing at Invoca, which is another SaaS MarTech platform that, uh, I, that I worked there for seven years. Um, and you, you were talking about my career progression and um, started off in a, in a director-level role and more of a marketing generalist and um, specialized in a few areas and then uh, worked my way up to the VP role um, that I had for a couple of years before uh, recently moving on to Allocadia. I'm curious about how you moved up so quickly. I do remember asking you this in the interview process and uh, you, you, know, you don't have to give me the same kind of, you know, <laughs> the same uh, interviewee type the of real question. We can get a little time. more real now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, no, I, I think it's a, a combination of drive and focus and hard work and maybe some luck Um, because when you're working for startups I think there's always a little bit of a luck element fairly early on in my career um, I I always kind of thought would think through at least one or two years ahead of where I wanted to be and would speak with my managers and figure out okay what do I need to do to get to that next level and to that next level and it was less a conversation of um I, give me a, a bigger title or give me more money. It was more conversation of, I want to grow my career. What do I need to do to improve to warrant uh, those those uh, next steps, title, money, et cetera. And then seeking out companies where I felt there was a very supportive um, mentor-led leadership team and where I would be 
uh, I keep using the word supported, but, but it, it's the one that rings the most true for me, supported and encouraged and given the space to learn on the job as I, as I went along, but with guardrails and with leaders that I would actually learn from. And I think that played a big role in how quickly I was able to learn and grow in my own career. How can you tell if somebody is going to be a supportive mentor or if the the company has the right type of of mentorship slash support culture for somebody who wants to move up? Like if you're in the interview process, what, what questions do you ask? It's partly a personality thing when you're interviewing with someone, whether they are open to you asking a lot of questions. Um, it's always it's always kind of interesting, I think, in the interview process. As a candidate, you're selling yourself, but the company should also be selling themselves to you a little bit. And so as a candidate, you should come prepared with a lot of questions. And, and the way, the openness that the company has in answering those questions, I think, can be telling. If they want to spend the time and to help you better understand the business and, and cover all of your questions, and I think that shows a cultural openness to having it be more of a two-way dialogue rather than a, hey, what, are, what can we get out of you, the candidate? Um, so that's, that's one way. I think asking around um, where possible to just understand the reputation of a company. I mean, you can read reviews on sites like Glassdoor and whatnot, but they can often be biased or just give you a snapshot of one period in the company's history. So um, reaching out to existing employees um, to get their take and um, to just peers in the community to to get a better understanding of what the company culture is like. I'd say those are are two areas that you can um, that you can do a bit of research. And then I would also say, as you are interviewing and and looking at different companies, look at who your boss will be and what their career trajectory has been, and see if it kind of follows the kind of trajectory that you're looking for because, that way that you kind of have a um, default mentor right there. If they've gone through the steps that you want to go through, um, what better way to learn hands-on from someone who's, who's your boss? And I think you can upfront in the interview process as well, make it clear that you sought out this company in this position because you see this person as, as a leader and a role model and look forward to learning from them. And that kind of sets the expectation of the kind of relationship that you're looking for. And if they seem open and engage with you um, on that topic, I think it's probably going to be a good bet. If I look at my, my background, um, in the world of tech, it's been a bit unusual how long I've stayed at companies. So my first one, um, my first real job, I mean, I did some, some funny, not super serious jobs um, fresh out of, of undergrad college. But anyway, my first real job, I was there for um, almost five years and then did have one short stint at a startup in the Bay Area. But um, I, I left on very positive terms, and it was because my, my boyfriend, my current husband, and I geographically were apart, and we needed to um, – I made a, I made a job decision. I moved um, to be closer to him, and it was the right decision. Um, but anyway, so five, five years, one year, and then seven years at Invoca prior to coming to Allocadia. And it's pretty unusual. I see a lot of people in, in marketing and specifically in the world of MarTech doing one-and-a-half, two-year stints and feeling like that's the way to grow their career. Uh, it's almost like you're chasing that next title and, and, and progression. I think I recognize that your, your best learning comes when you become um, deeply ingrained with a company and a product 
and become a subject matter expert. And you can't do that if you're hopping around frequently. It takes a, a long time just to understand the culture of the company and build those really important relationships with your peers and with your higher ups. And then also um, refine your skills in your specific area of marketing expertise, whether it's product marketing or brand marketing or demand gen or so on. It's funny because on the executive search side, when I present a candidate who has even one short stint, the first question the CEO or the investor, whomever it is, asks is, why was this short? Did they get fired? Who initiated them leaving? What, you know, it is, it is a, an mm -hmm. instant red flag. And so you can imagine when people have several of these short stints, it can be a real issue. And sometimes there's really good reasons for it. Um, I, I like to think of it as, um, you know, what, as, I, as I think of somebody's resume, I often said, say, and I might have said this to you when I interviewed you, was, but I, I can see what you've done in these jobs, but I want to see the white spaces and the white spaces between jobs, what was making you leave and what were the push factors and what were the, what were the pull factors. And I think mm -hmm. um, I like your point about the best learning comes when you are ingrained within a company. And then, you know, you also become associated more with the success of that company. So, you know, at Invoca, mm -hmm. one thing I, I liked about your background is you had gone through this particular climb in revenue from, I don't know, it was small when you, when you started, like all the way mm -hmm. up to 50 million. And, um, and that was very compelling, you know, for, for this particular search. Um, so wh what do you think about that? Do you think that um, it's wise to see somebody's revenue climb in one company as a, as a proxy or as a signal for what they can do in their next company? I do. I, I definitely do. I think it comes with some, with some caveats, but what you know for sure is this person has seen a lot, been there, done that, and successfully gone through the growing pains that will probably lie ahead for your company. Cool. All right. So let's look at the process of you landing in your new job. Um, I'll drill into one area, and I just I want your take on this. So we asked you and the other finalist candidates, um, but to do a presentation on um, I think it was the three things Allocadia should do to drive growth. So very broad presentation guidance. Uh, I want to hear about what was it like for you to put that together, and what are your thoughts on the role of of a sort of presentation or a chalk talk in the evaluation process? I love it. I absolutely love it. So I really enjoyed the process myself that I went through. And I think that if you're hiring an executive, whether they're in marketing or any field, they need to be able to clearly articulate and present their ideas and strategies. It'll, it'll come up in the future in board meetings and other, other initiatives, both internal and public facing. So I think it's a critical part of the interview process and should absolutely be there for executives. It's also a great way to, to learn about the business that you are interviewing at, right? You need to do a little bit of your research. You need to collect your thoughts. And so even if it weren't a requirement, um, I almost feel like I would do that anyway because it's such a great way to, uh, as I said, um, organize your thoughts, organize your ideas, and be more succinct and clear in communicating that to your, to your audience. I also have 
uh, I ask all candidates at a director level and above for roles that I hire for to do a presentation as well. I just think it's such an important skill set in the field of marketing to be able to um, visually and clearly communicate ideas. And when you're at that director level and above, getting stakeholder buy-in cross-functionally is really important. Being able to uh, sort of quote-unquote sell your ideas internally and externally and be a good storyteller is important no matter what aspect of, of marketing you're in. And so I make it a requirement for, um, for a variety of positions. Awesome. Can you share the guidance or the prompt that you've given to some director-level candidates? Depending on the role, I usually make it three parts. Um, something that's a little bit more tactical, something that's a little bit more big picture thinking, and then usually something that addresses an actual project or pain point that I have at that point in time. Let's talk about your job now. This is your first CMO gig. Um, your, your title previously was VP of Marketing at Invoca. So a big question for me is how do you see a CMO job being distinct from a VP of Marketing job, if at all? Yeah, it's such a great question um, that, I've, that I've definitely had to give some, some thought to. How I would describe how I feel about being a CMO versus a VP of marketing, and it's kind of silly because it's just a title, but titles do help us, I think, um, align to the, the fullness of a position, um, is that my job is really not just marketing. It's growing the business. It's partnering with the CEO, with the other executives, to really focus on defining what our, what our category in our market is and growing our market and growing our company's revenue. And when I was VP of marketing, I, I was very focused on driving revenue for the business and pipeline, but I don't think I saw myself quite at that, and, and I probably wasn't operating quite at that next layer of, um, <laughs> no, I'm not going to find it right. I wasn't, I wasn't operating at, at the same strategic level of really thinking more broadly of growing the business and my mandate as CMO being um, defining the market and growing the market. And yes, building the, the go-to market engine that supports it and making sure we've got our demand gen strategy and great product marketing and great corporate marketing. But those feel... Um, a, a layer below where I need to be focusing my time uh, now as CMO. What are your key priorities now as a new CMO of Alicadia? I've really made a point of not rushing to snap judgments and getting building relationships with my peers on the executive team and with, with my marketing team and cross-functionally and really understanding where the business is at today and where I can help have the biggest impact and drive the most success for the business. And so that being said, there are a couple areas that, I'm, that I am focused on and, and will continue to be more focused on in the coming months and quarters. Um, one is around category creation and defining our market and, and really nailing what I think our future category should be and how we um, address the, all of the potential that our products can deliver to to a broader market. And so that's not something that you, you know, come up with in a week or so. <laughs> and I don't have the exact answers yet, but but that's a big piece of, of what I'm focused on. And then the other I'd say is making sure we've got 
the right operational foundation and visibility into our go-to market machine at every step of the the funnel, I guess, if you will, so that I can confidently make decisions, investment decisions in an agile manner and um, make sure that our go-to market machine, our, our engine, if you will, is primed for more growth so that I can then confidently invest more at the top and more revenue will come out at the bottom. One thing that happens often in smaller companies is you have a marketer with a broad set of experiences that comes in and that person is thinking about the brand and they're thinking about demand, uh, but then they can be in a, in a company where there's just such, such an insatiable appetite for demand. I don't think that's exactly the case at Alacadia. Um, I think it's the, the, the role that we structured uh, was, was one of, of balancing brand and demand. But, but what, is your, what is your take on that? What's your advice to a CMO that, that comes into a company where the company is dying for demand and, and asking that CMO to be focused you know, 100% on leads, leads, leads? when that CMO sees the broader picture and the, and the need for, for uh, brand or product marketing, corporate marketing, you know, other, other kinds of contributions? I'd say probably run if I were the CMO candidate, but um, <laughs> I think if you're a CMO, you should be able to do all aspects of marketing. Um, you should be focused on revenue and the top top-level business objectives and growing the business. Now, the company may have, or if it's the CEO, may have identified that our biggest obstacle right now to hitting revenue and to growing the business is pipeline and hopefully not leads. I mean, I don't think leads is ever the, the real problem there, but we'll say pipeline. Um, mm-hmm. And so that may be the area that it makes sense for you as CMO to focus on in your first quarter or two. Get that cleaned up, get the right people in place, you know, build, build that engine. And I think that totally makes sense. But I don't think you should be hired to do that. I think you should be hired again to, to drive revenue to grow the business. And then it's up to you to assess which areas of the end-to-end marketing machine need the most attention first. And you may decide, you may see like, actually, it's not. Demand gen's in a pretty good place. I actually think if we were to spend more time overhauling our positioning and um, working on our product packaging and uh, value proposition, that's actually going to have the bigger, bigger um, impact on growing revenue and improved demand gen. Um, that might be the case. And that should be, I think, you as the CMO, uh, it should be up to you to decide what are the right levers to pull to hit the, the top-level business goals. You have been marketing to marketers for a while now, and you are continuing with that at Allocadia. Um, what is unique about marketing to marketers? It's, it's fun. I love it. Or else I guess I wouldn't have been doing it for so long. Um, I think marketers, especially today's marketers, are very tech savvy and recognize that a, a solid technology foundation and data foundation are, are really core pillars of, of marketing success. And so um, I'm going to say the word marketing way too much in this conversation, but marketing to marketers means you have a more, I think, engaged, interested, kind of wrapped audience who really gets 
what you are selling more so than if you are marketing um, to different user groups or different personas, I guess you could say. So in that aspect, I think it's, it's really fun. I think I can sometimes fall prey and have to check myself on assuming that because I'm a CMO or a head of marketing and we are selling to those personas that what I think is best is what they would think is best. And so making sure to always do a lot of validation with customers and more broadly, um, just marketers in, in, our, in our industries to get that more accurate and, and broad perspective rather than just always assuming, well, you know, we're basically marketing to me and I know what's best, so I'm just going to do that. Selling and, and engaging with B2B CMOs, it really is like they're like my best friends. It's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's really fun. And so much of our, of our discussions become more strategic brainstorming ideation conversations rather than just me trying to explain a value proposition and, and benefits and stuff like that. Um, CMOs and other marketing leaders seem to just really get what we do and thrive on having more of a um, consultative strategic conversation with us to understand um, how they can be not just using our tool, but implementing strategies around data, around investment planning, around budgeting to really help them hit their business goals. And so being able to talk peer-to-peer -peer with them like that is, is really fun and uh, exciting for me. And I'm learning a lot, too. Can we have a peek into your team structure? You know, you've built teams before, and now you have a, a team. You, you came into Alacadia with, a, with a, a pretty much a fully formed marketing team. Can you tell us about that structure? Yeah, I'd say there are, um, for smaller teams, three critical areas. And in some of the other areas, you can build out a little bit um, further down the road. But the three critical ones are, um, actually, there's four. Um, demand generation, product marketing, and brand marketing. And for me, brand kind of covers the umbrella of communications, content, um, PR, and, and your brand experience. So I think those are... Those are the three four areas where um, there's specific functions and you need someone really strong leading each of them, and they're all equally important. I think product marketing gets undervalued a fair amount at, at companies, but to me is is super strategic and really the linchpin to your to the success of your whole go to market strategy um, and then I said, well, there are actually four, and something that's been increasingly apparent uh, apparent to me over the past couple of years is how uh, important operations are. With the rise of all the, the tech that we're using and the increased use of data, having a really solid operational data foundation is so critical. And interestingly, at an, at Invoca, I think I under-resourced this area for a while, and I had it live under demand gen, and that, that worked okay, and I had super, super sharp operational people that also bridged into demand gen and we're doing amazing things there. But in hindsight, I would have called it out more distinctly to not spread people so thin. And so it's, it's an area, I think I mentioned this, one of my areas of focus right now at Allocadia is really establishing that best-in-class operational foundation that powers the, the growth and, and essentially the strategy of the, the go-to market team. I want to ask you, uh, before we wrap up, about women in revenue. And I have to uh, confess to you that I, I, the, 
the reason I found you was I had heard about women in revenue, and I thought, ooh, that would be a good uh, kind of organization to tap for this search that I'm doing because I want somebody with a, a strength in demand gen. And I saw that you were part of it, and uh, and one thing led to another. So obviously you got you got this job. Um, talk to me about women in revenue. What what is it? And um, you know, just you know, you're a founding member. What what does that actually mean? And what are you guys up to? Yeah. Um... It's, a, it's an organization that, that I love, that I'm passionate about, that, yes, I'm a founding member of. Um, we've been around. We just celebrated our first year anniversary and have over 1,000 members now, which we're, we're really proud of. Um, it's a, the brainchild of Sherry Johnson, who a little over a year ago identified this, this opportunity, this gap for um, a community for women in revenue-facing positions, so not just marketing, um, marketing, sales, operations to some degree. Um, there, are other, there are other types of roles that kind of fall under that revenue-facing, I mean, finance, <laughs> um, that revenue-facing umbrella. But a community for women at all levels of their career to network, to um, mentor each other, to help educate each other, and to help grow each other's careers. My final question for you is, what is your advice to aspiring CMOs of B2B SaaS companies? I would say it goes back to what I think has made me successful, which is um, have a plan. You don't necessarily need to have a fully baked plan when you're like 21 and like, yes, within 10 years, this is exactly what I'm going to achieve. But I think it's always important to at least look a few years ahead at what you want to achieve and then find people who have achieved that and look at how they got there and kind of map what the route you think you want to take with the route that looks like it's been successful for other people and, and have some kind of rough plan. I'd say that's, that's one important piece. Another is I would say don't shy away from the, the hard work and the uncomfortable work that comes with learning. I think sometimes it can feel uncomfortable if you're, if you're in a role and there's certain areas where you just don't feel really strong in um, or the company's maybe going through a little bit of a rough patch and you have to dig in and kind of see it through. Um, and to not shy away from that, but understand that those are really the most valuable learning opportunities that you're going to have and they will absolutely pay off big dividends in the long run, but to focus on the long run and not the, the short run, I guess you could say. Um, so that's the second point. And then the third is do seek out mentors and that can mean a lot of different things and two of my biggest mentors have been my bosses <laughs> and i didn't realize it until i don't know a, a couple of years of working with them i'm like oh yeah i'm really learning a ton from this person and even when i move on they're, they're going to be a mentor in my mind um so don't feel like you need to go out and email someone and be like hey will you be my mentor but look for people who who you want to emulate and who have career paths that you that you respect and um, just engage with them and, and listen and learn from them. And, um, and then from there, I find relationships will naturally grow. And before you know it, you'll realize, oh, hey, this person is now a mentor. Yeah. You can learn from anybody, really. And whether or mm -hmm. not it's a long-term uh, relationship, so to speak, or, or, or something uh, you know, where you just meet somebody even once or twice or three times, I think the other point that you're making is um, that growth and comfort do not coexist. And so taking that <laughs> exactly. long view, you know, really, really helps. Yeah. 
to uh, to kind of get over the little bumps that you can uh, that you can have in the short run. Um, Awesome. Well, this is fabulous. It's great to speak with you, Julia. It's great to be able to talk with you when we're not doing, uh, you know, a a really kind of high stakes interview or negotiation or anything. (laughs) So thank you so much for joining and sharing all of this great insight. And it's been great chatting with you. Thanks. Yeah, it's been a it's been a real pleasure, and hopefully, uh, all my my real answers are pretty aligned with my uh, the answers you heard from me during our interview process. I think uh, just being yourself and being open and honest also gets you gets you pretty far in life. So uh, it's been a pleasure, and, and thanks again for inviting me to be be on the show. Thanks for joining us today for the Get. Join us next time with another guest. Till then, follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Spotify, or check us out on LinkedIn and Twitter so you don't miss a thing.